This morning we're going to be looking at, uh, I have found a very interesting passage out of Matthew chapter 11. It's always fascinated me. You know, some passages really convict you, and that's part of the purpose of the Word of God is to convict, to rebuke. This is a great passage of encouragement. Chapter 11 of Matthew uh, follows chapter 10 of Matthew. Uh, That's just sort of the way things happen there. It's kind of hard to parachute into the middle of the book of Matthew, but in this passage, Jesus has just finished giving his disciples, his 12 apostles, some very specific instructions. And now an event occurs involving John the Baptist, who is in prison. Uh, John has been thrown into prison for being audacious enough to criticize Herod for stealing his brother's wife. I mean, how could you criticize that? But John the Baptist has criticized Herod. He's now in prison. And uh, so Jesus and John the Baptist interact through some intermediaries. I hope that kind of sets the, the stage for you. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the Word of God, a challenging word, but as I said, a word of encouragement. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. So then, what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. And I tell you, more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. And I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. May God bless the reading of his word. Okay, here's the situation. I want you to paint a picture in your mind or go back and recapture uh, a scene in your life. You're listening to a lecture. Now, that's not much of a stretch. That's kind of what's happening right now. But take yourself and put yourself either back in a classroom or perhaps in a training session at your job, and you're listening to some instruction that you've got to understand and you've got to know. In order to pass the test that's coming or perhaps to do your job properly and to keep your job. So as the person is lecturing to you, it dawns on you, you're really not understanding what's being said. 
And you think back what he said here and here and here, and, and it's just kind of getting all jumbled up, and, and you don't know what's going on, and a feeling of panic begins to arise in you because you're thinking, what am I going to do? I'm going to be tested on this, so they're going to expect me to do this job, and I don't know what's going on. So you look around the room to see if anyone else looks frustrated, and everybody's just kind of sitting there nodding like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Say, man. I must be the only dummy in the room. Everyone else seems to be getting this, and I don't understand what's going on. And finally, the lecture is over, and the lecturer looks out at you and says, okay, any questions? And you feel your hands start to go up because you have a lot of questions. But you look around, and no one else's hand is going up. So you're weighing, okay, do I reveal, you know, that, that I'm incapable and I don't get it when everybody else seems to, or, or do I go ahead, what am I going to do? And at that moment, suddenly, you see someone's hand go up, and you think, oh, goodness, thank you. Thank you that I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one that was able to process, wasn't able to process all of that and to know what's going on. And not only... Is it just anyone's hand goes up? But it's probably the smartest person in the room. You know, someone that everyone else always looks up to as, as being able to, to make a good grade or to perform the job well. And so you go, wow, well, that really makes me feel good. And it's that person who is asking a question. So the lecturer says, yes, what is your question? And the question is asked and you go, wow, that's exactly the question that I would have asked. Now, that kind of experience, you would think, not only being grateful that you were going to get the information, it just would make you feel good that you were kind of in the same boat with everyone else. Well, that's kind of what's going on in this passage that we read out of Matthew chapter 11. Here is a passage of some people that have been listening to the instruction of Jesus. As we said, chapter 10 is filled with Jesus talking to his 12 apostles and telling them some of the most difficult sayings that he gave to these apostles during their three or four year training period that they went through. For example, he's going to say things to them like, you guys, because you believe in me, because you follow me, you're going to be beaten, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be slandered. People are going to just sit around and try to make up stories about you in order to discredit you and to get you into trouble. And for example, he also says this. Listen to this in verse 34, if you have your Bibles open. Chapter 10, 34. Do you or do not think, Jesus says, that I have come to bring peace to the earth? Well, Jesus, that's what the disciples, the, the angels said back there. Remember when you were born? Peace on earth. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's enemies will be the members of of one's own household. Any questions? And yet it seems like the 12 apostles are all sitting there nodding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, okay, yeah, right. 
But you know these guys have some questions. You know they're just itching to say, but Jesus, what about that? Jesus, what about that? But now this is just my thinking. I, I, I can't find it in the text. I think they're looking at each other going, are you going to ask the question? Are you going to ask the question? Do you want to be the one that, that gets on Jesus' bad side? And Jesus says, I can't believe you asked that question. And finally, someone's hand goes up. And it's not just anyone, but it's really the smartest one of the whole group. Now, it's interesting because that particular man that's going to ask the question isn't even there. It's John the Baptist. And as we said, John is in prison. But he has a question. And you know that when he sends his disciples to find Jesus and to ask this question, that Jesus' disciples are going, Oh, I am so glad someone had the courage to ask that question. Because I think at least some of them had the same question too. And to tell you the truth, I'm glad that John asked this question because sometimes I have this question. And I would think that in moments of ultimate honesty, most of you in this room would admit you've wanted to ask this question too. What is it? What is a question that John sends his disciples to ask Jesus? The question is simply this. Jesus, are you for real? Are you really who you say you are? Should I really be trying to build my life on you and your teachings? Or should I go and look for someone else? Is there another way to do this? Now when we hear John the Baptist ask this question, we pretend to be shocked. I mean, after all, this is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the the guy who was announced, his birth was announced by an angel to his father, Zechariah. Zechariah and Elizabeth had not been able to have children. They were an older couple, and they had wanted a child. And now the angel appears to Zechariah in the temple and says, you're going to have a son, and he is going to be a chosen man to go out and before the coming of the Messiah to announce that the Messiah is coming and that the kingdom of God is at hand. And John had kept that prophecy. He had followed the word of God. He had remained faithful to his Nazarite vow. He had gone out into the wilderness and lived a very difficult life to announce that God was now sending the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And whenever he found Jesus... Well, you remember some of his words, don't you? Let's go over to John. John, the Gospel of John, records what John the Baptist said about Jesus the first time he introduced him to the the people standing around. Listen to this. He sees Jesus coming toward him, and he declares, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
And then he goes on to say, I saw the Holy Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and come to rest on him. I myself did not know who I was looking for, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, whenever you baptize someone and you see the Holy Spirit descend upon them and remain there, you know he's the one. Therefore, I have seen it. And now I testify to you that this man right here is the son of God. Hear any doubt in that? (laughs) Do you hear any questioning in that? He is so sure that Jesus is the one because he has met all the criteria that God had laid out before him and said, this is the one who will be my Messiah. This is the one who will be my son. So then we seem to be shocked when John gets to the point of sending questioners and saying, are you? Are you the one? I say that we pretend to be shocked because we've all done the same thing. We've all had moments in our lives where we were so sure that this is the way. We've all had moments in our lives when we just knew this is the truth. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus is my brother. Jesus has blessed me with mercy and forgiveness and grace. And then something happens. Things seem to change. And in the back of our mind comes a question. Is he? Is he really? Is he the one? Should I really try to be living like he said to live? Or should I go out and find another way to live? Is there someone else out there that can help me? What brought John to this point? Why did John move from being so sure to questioning? Well, there's a couple of things we can notice. One, he's in prison. (laughs) Wow. Here he is out doing God's work, and where does he end up? In prison. Now, I don't know what first century prison was like, but I don't think I want to do it. I do know from reading that first century prison was not a destination. You didn't get sent to prison and they say, okay, because of what you did, you're going to serve five years and then we'll let you go. No, you were just thrown into prison indefinitely. But it was really a way station until the ruling powers could decide what they wanted to do with you. And there were two options. One is to exonerate you and say, you know, we're sorry. We made a mistake. We realized we got the wrong guy. You can go free. The other option was execution. They didn't keep people around that were guilty. They just got rid of them. Well, John pretty much knew that Herod was not going to apologize to him and set him free. So he pretty much knew what was going to happen to him that eventually he would be executed. 
Things aren't going well for John. And you know, can't you understand why that would cause him to stop and say, wait a minute? I don't know what he expected his later years to be. Uh, just guessing. You know, maybe he thought, okay, God has sent me out to do this mission. It's going to be a tough mission. I'm going to live out in the wilderness. I'm going to eat bugs and honey. And I'm going to preach this difficult message. And then whenever the Messiah comes, everything will get better. Maybe I can retire. Maybe I can find a little comfort in life and enjoy the rest of my life once I've done this job. It didn't work out that way. Things have gotten really tough. And when things go bad in your life, sometimes you begin thinking, is all this real? Is all this really working? It's happened to me. I think it's probably happened to some of you. That it's in those difficult times of life that you begin wondering, is this working out for me? Where is Jesus? Is he really who he says he is? The other reason that John, obviously, and this one is in the text, so we can be really certain about it. The other reason that John has some questions is that Jesus is just not doing the things that John thought he would do. If you read in the text in verse 2 of chapter 11, it says, When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, then he sent his disciples saying, Huh? (laughs) What's going on here? Now again, we don't know for sure exactly what John thought Jesus would do. If we go back and read his testimony, he had said things like, I baptize you with water. The guy that's coming after me is going to baptize with fire and with the Holy Spirit. And the guy that comes after me, he's going to put this world straight. He's going to change out the chaff. Chaff was trying to come out. The wheat and the chaff, okay? He's going to, to separate between the good folks and the bad folks with his, oh, what do we get to use again? Winnowing fork, good for you. All right. He's going to take his winnowing fork, he's going to throw it, and then he's going to take the good folks and he's going to put them over here and they're going to live a blessed life. And then he's going to take the rest of these guys and he's going to burn them with unquenchable fire. None of these apocalyptic things had happened. Jesus wasn't doing what he said or what John thought he would do. There's been times in my life Jesus didn't come through for me either. I'd pretty much laid out what it, he needed to do for me, and he just didn't do it. I don't know if that's ever happened to you or not. You begin thinking, well, is he the one? Is he able to do anything? He's certainly not doing what I think he ought to be doing. Why not? Well, let's look and see how John, I mean, Jesus answered John's questions. This is another time I'm reminded how unlike Jesus I am, sadly. My answer to John would have been, what? (laughs) I can't believe you're questioning me. Any of y'all like to be questioned about what you do? (laughs) Jesus answered, you know, I can't believe this. 
You, John the Baptist. You, the one who was given all of this by God. You, the one who was given by God what to look for. And and God has given you all these. What? I'm shocked that you would express any doubt. Sometimes that's why I don't express my doubt to Jesus, because I'm afraid that's what the answer would be. What? You're questioning me? How dare you? But that's not the way Jesus responds. He doesn't respond that way to John. Doesn't respond that way to us either. What does he send the disciples to tell John? He says, just go tell him what's going on. Tell him what you see. Tell him what you hear. While I may not be doing the things that John thinks ought to, John doesn't have an accurate picture of what I came to do. Now, John probably could have quoted some verses in Scripture to back up what he thought Jesus should be doing. But it's interesting that as Jesus gives his answer to John, he says, go and tell John that the lame are walking and the blind are seeing and the deaf are hearing. And all of these were promises in Scripture as well. But they weren't the promises the people of that time were reading. They weren't really understanding what the Messiah was going to be doing. Some of these promises were in Psalm 146 that we just read a moment ago. Some of these promises are in the book of Isaiah. And what Jesus is gently telling John the Baptist is that I am doing what God sent me to do. It's just that you don't quite understand what that is. And you need to go back and you need to understand what it is that the Messiah, what it is that the Son of God was meant to do. He gently points out that sometimes we can get Jesus wrong. John did, and I often do as well. For example, I sometimes have my faith shaken when things don't go the way that I think they ought to and things get kind of tough. Go back in chapter 10 and read what Jesus said. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. Did you hear that? He had just said that to his disciples. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. Now you tell me, how easy a life did Jesus have? You know, I stop and think about that, I almost want to cry. Then I come to Jesus and I say, make my life good. Make my life easy. And Jesus says, okay, I didn't have one, but that's what you want? That when Jesus became flesh, God in the flesh, he entered into the world of struggle that we live in. And he embraced it and he lived a life that involved suffering and struggle as well. And he turns to us and he says, if I can do it, you can too. I'll help you through it, but not around it. That if I had to go through it, I'm sorry, your life's going to have some bumps in the road as well. In fact, in other places, he says, coming to me and being my disciple can make your life more complicated at times. 
than those who just don't even think about it and ignore the whole thing. So don't be surprised whenever you have hard times. Jesus' answer is, I did too. And with the power of God, and with the blessing of the Spirit, we can get you through it. Now, this isn't in the text either, but when I read this, and I think about being encouraged to go on, and to try the, my best to understand how Scripture really describes Jesus, and to come to know the real Jesus and not the Jesus I kind of make up in my mind that I want him to be. Besides turning to Scripture and making sure I'm listening to what Jesus tells me about himself and about what the prophets tell me about him, I like to look, as the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 13, at the people that are going before me who seem to me to be walking closest to him and with him and see the outcome of their lives, as Scripture tells us, and imitate their faith. To find people in this life that have discovered the real Jesus and have embraced him and made it through the hard times through his power and through his mercy and through his grace. Okay, there it is. Are you disappointed in John the Baptist for doubting? If you are, since you're not answering me directly, I can tell you this. If you're disappointed in John the Baptist for doubting, you're not being honest with yourself. Because you've doubted too. So what do you do with that? Well, you let Jesus bless you. Because while you may express your doubts to others and shock them, you don't shock Jesus. He's not surprised you struggle. He knows it's a struggle. Listen to what he said about John the doubter, John the Baptist, John the one who was supposed to be such a paragon of faith and expressed his doubt. Listen to what he said. Truly I tell you, among those born of women... That's most everyone, by the way. Among those born of women, no one has arisen who's ever been greater than John the Baptist. Now, that makes you feel better, doesn't it? But the last part's even better than that. He goes on to say, yet, the least in the kingdom of heaven. How many of you feel like if you're in the kingdom of heaven, you're one of the least? The least in the kingdom of heaven is even greater than he. Jesus really does love you. And he loves you even when you doubt. And his words to John come across to us. Blessed is he who doesn't stumble. Just keep on. Hold on. Don't let your doubts shock you because Jesus 
is going to keep you anyway. Let's stand and sing.